Well, this is lesson one on the gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to cover what is called the manifestations of the Spirit in this lesson, and then the next three lessons, because there's four lessons to this curriculum, we're going to cover each of the three groupings of the nine gifts. There's nine gifts of the Spirit. They can be broken down into three groupings, and so from each week after this, we'll cover one group of that. But this is kind of an overview to kind of prepare us and warm us up. We need to have an understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. One of the things my pastor says, and I'm so thankful that I have a pastor, he says a lot of modern churches, of course, my pastor's been in the ministry over 40 years now, a lot of churches are ashamed of the Holy Spirit or they're embarrassed by Him. And they're afraid, what if we let the Holy Spirit move in our services? And he said, but what they forget, and we often forget too, what we forget is that if we're ashamed of the Holy Spirit, there's a little problem there. The Holy Spirit is God. So if you're ashamed of the Holy Spirit, you're ashamed of God. And so in America, we are so market-driven and so advertising-based that we figure we can grow a church by changing God's image. Well, there's a problem. You can't really split the Godhead. It is a trinity, but it's three and one and one and three and, and you know, three persons, one God, and it's a mystery and we can't fully comprehend it. But you don't get to, like, divorce one-third of the Godhead because you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. You can't be empowered without the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ said you can't be comforted without the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ said, I'm leaving so you can have the Holy Spirit. So I, what I, and I've been in all sorts of churches all my life, and uh, what you find is a lot of Christians, just out of ignorance, they, they pay lip service to the Holy Spirit, but if he were to really want to move in their service, they may not know what to do. Just like if, if I pay lip service to Alan, but I don't really know him, if he shows up, I can't really anticipate what he's going to do because I've never spent any time with him. I've never spent any time getting to know him. I just act like I know him. And when anybody asks, does Alan go to your church? Oh, we have Alan in our church all the time. Well, how, really? If Alan comes to your church all the time, you should know it. And his mark should be upon your church. Same with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's really in your services, the Holy Spirit, he wants to draw people to Christ to be born again, but once you get born again, you have the rest of your life to do something. And so the work of the Holy Spirit only begins at salvation. A lot of churches say that's where it ends because then they don't have any more Holy Spirit move in their services. We have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit move in every area of our life. We have to be willing to be spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-controlled. There's only two spirits at work in the earth, the spirit of the world and the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit working in your life will produce nine fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of the world working in your life will make you look like the world. And I think we all know a lot of Christians today, it's evident the Holy Spirit doesn't work in their life because they don't have much fruit of the Spirit. They have the works of the flesh. So it's important that we magnify and exalt the ministry of the Holy Spirit because Jesus Christ did. And now again, Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And in that regard, Jesus is not in the earth. Now, he can come here anytime he wants. The earth is his footstool, we know. But he's seated at the right hand. He's ascended on high. Who did he send back? The Holy Spirit. Now, I know that upsets people when you say Jesus is not in the earth today, but he's the head, we're the body. If we're going to be biblically, technically splitting hairs over it, it's the Holy Spirit who's at movement in the earth. But the good news is it's a trinity. It's God. So, you know, I, if you want to say Jesus lives in me, the Holy Spirit lives in me, God lives in me, yes, but whose ministry are we cooperating with today? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, again, 
thank God for Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior. It's the Spirit of Christ. Again, that's the mystery of the Trinity. You can split hairs and have doctrinal fights over the Trinity and how to further define it. You won't go anywhere because it's called Great is the Mystery. <laughs> Amen. So with all that said, let's jump into here on our lesson about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1, then 7 through 11. I've got it typed out there so we can follow along. Paul writing to the Corinthian church, now concerning spiritual gifts, and we notice the word gifts is in italics, as it is in most Bible translations. Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills, as the Lord wills. You don't get to pick and choose how the Lord manifests. You don't forget, as an American, he's God, we're not. We're so used to bossing everybody around, we forget that he's still God, and he does what he wants, and we obey. You have to remind us uh, that every once in a while, because we are Americans, and we think we can vote. God, we, we don't agree with you, so we're going to raise our hand and vote. Um, we vote that you shouldn't move in our church. And he says, okay, I'll move in another church. I like what one man said, God has visited every church on the planet, and he still attends some. <laughs> We want him in our homes. We want him on our job. We need him in our marriage. We want to make sure that if we are foolish enough to vote, we vote yay. <laughs> All in favor of God being here, say yay, 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 yay. Amen. The subject of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is pneuma. That's the Greek word, pneuma, or spiritual things. The word gifts is in italics, which means it's not in the original manuscript. So the King James translators added gifts just to kind of imply the subject. It's not inaccurate, but it's not fully accurate. They added it saying, you know, the word's pneuma. How do you best translate pneuma? Spiritual things, spiritual gifts. But if we, if we take gifts at face value, we'll misunderstand the whole chapter. But the, the subject of 1 Corinthians 12 is pneuma, spiritual things. Pneuma is the Greek word for breath, for, for uh, spirit, for wind. Uh, it can be demon spirit, Holy Spirit, human spirit, uh, the spirit of a man, the spirit of a woman, an attitude, mental disposition. But that's the subject. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 doesn't just cover the nine gifts of the spirit, but it also covers the body of Christ and how he sets us in the bodies that's pleased him. It covers administrations. It covers uh, operations. It covers gifts. So it's not just the nine because there's only three verses that talk about the nine. There's 28 or so verses in this chapter, but the whole subject of the chapter is spiritual things. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Now there are diversities of gifts. And this is a neat little passage. You've got to focus on this. Paul said there's diversities of gifts. There are basically diversities or differences of administrations. And there are diversities of operations. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Notice there are four things there. Now again, this is, this is Sunday school, so we're really breaking it down. This is called Bible teaching. Preaching, you don't have to focus. You just have to get excited. Teaching takes more faith for you because you have to pay attention and hear what we're saying clearly. Notice that in these three verses, there are actually four categories of spiritual or spiritual things. There's diversities of gifts, diversities of administrations, diversities of operations, and then there are manifestations. Those are four distinct words in the Greek. 
And that's what we want to break down in this lesson so we can understand the, what, what is commonly referred to as the gifts of the Spirit. <clears throat> A lot of churches, because they don't understand the gifts of the Spirit, they avoid 1 Corinthians chapter 12 altogether. Ignorance is not remedied by burying your head in the sand and ignoring it. <laughs> you picture the ostrich that buries his head in the sand, and he thinks, okay, nobody, I can see nobody, nobody can see me. The problem is ostriches, you know, their tail end stands about five feet tall, and so if the lion comes around, he sees a big old chicken dumpling just sticking up in the air, and, and the ignorance of the uh, ostrich makes him think he's secure. That's not proper. We, we are not to be of the mindset, well, I can't, it's in the word, I don't understand it, so I'll just ignore it. That's ignorance. I was telling somebody the other day, when I was in college and I was an engineer, I had studied the New Testament, and my least favorite book, I'd almost say the book I hated, was Hebrews, because I didn't understand it. And that's how most Americans are flesh says. If I don't understand it, I quit. Well, if that were the case, we'd never pick up an iPhone with a smooth screen and try to figure the thing out, but we've all mastered that by now. We're just intimidated too easy. So what I said is, well, you know what the problem is? If I'm afraid of something, I should get the victory over it, even if it's the book of Hebrews. So that second semester, or actually the first semester as an engineering student, I bought a study guide on the book of Hebrews, and I forced myself to work through all 13 chapters. And when I was done, I loved the book of Hebrews, and I flunked calculus. <laughs> and the book of Hebrews has served me well ever since, and I haven't used calculus since my retake semester the following semester. And I left it behind, too. Now, a lot of Christians, if they don't understand it, they just ignore it. Or they, like uh, Mr. Rick, you know, his testimony in coming to our church 30 years ago, he visited family up here, and this church was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit 30 years ago, and he was hearing stuff he'd never heard before. So when he went back to his pastor in Texas, a denominational man, he said, Pastor, I got questions for you. I was in a service, just visited a church, and there's all these scriptures that are in the Bible that talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and we never talk about them here. How come? And the pastor said, we don't talk about things we don't understand. So Rick said, well, that man up there understands it. I'm moving. And Rick moved here because this church, and we're not the only one, but because he found a church that had an understanding on the gifts. Why be intimidated by the Bible when God says study it? Why be ignorant on a subject when God says study to show yourself approved? Now, there's, there's a, a, a truth that you walk with God, it's going to be tough. And maybe we're walking with God just enough to be easy on our flesh. And that's not proper. That's quite foolish. If we're going to be Christians, we've got to be sold out with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So four categories here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. The first is diversities of gifts. The Holy Spirit gives a diversity of gifts. That Greek word is charisma. It means a grace deposit. The second is administrations. This is a Greek word that means the service of an office. Whether that's the pastor's office, a deacon's office, a bishop's office, an overseer's office, an elder's office, it's how you administrate a church or the kingdom of God. Uh, it, you know, the term would also be applied to the secular realm and the office of your secretary on the job and whatever your role is. But it lets us know the Holy Spirit empowers people to serve in an office to get something done. Uh, then there's diversities of operations. That is uh, a work accomplished. God will put his spirit upon somebody to accomplish a work that he wants. Just like we don't have a homeless ministry because I have no operation for that. But the Holy Spirit could come upon me and upon our church and the Lord say, you have 3,000 homeless people in Cookville. I don't know if you knew that. We, they estimate the homeless population of Cookville is 3,000. I don't think homeless like downtown New York 
folks who are vagrants who just move from house to house to house. Uh, there are people that just wander and live by the interstate. But they, I was talking to one of the local pastors, Dr. Um, Perry, and uh, he's, he works with the homeless ministry. He said, yeah, we estimate 10% of Cookville is homeless. That's pretty wild. We don't have that operation, so we don't do it. Because it would be miserable to try to do something the Lord has not equipped you for. You're guaranteed to fail or go broke one. And then there is the manifestation of the Spirit. And that word manifestation means an exhibition. This is what we're going to focus on for the rest of the service in, in the next three Sunday schools. Because when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit giving off an exhibition. These are the spectacular things, the nine exhibitions of the Spirit. The tongues, the interpretation tongues, working of miracles, gifts of healings, special faith, prophecy, discerning of spirits, revelation, a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, etc. The diversity of gifts does not refer to the gifts of the Spirit. That's our first categorical point. Diversity of the gifts does not refer to what we call as the gifts of the Spirit, but it rather refers to the different endowments of abilities that God has given to each of us. That's based on the Greek word charisma. We've got a whole curriculum on biblical grace and the grace endowments. A charisma, now that's why they call churches that are spirit-filled charismatics because we operate in the charisma, has nothing to do with our winning personality, but it's based on the Greek uh, charisma. But every Christian, whether you are a charismatic Christian or whether you are just a baby Christian, you have a charisma, according to the Greek, a grace endowment. Every one of you has a gift or giftings the Lord has given you to do something for the kingdom. Romans 12 talks about this. First Peter talks about this. Uh, you have the uh, gifts of ministry, gifts of giving. Uh, you have gifts of mercy, exhortation, prophecy, teaching. Uh, Peter says... Um, being good stewards of the manifold grace of God, let us, be, uh, let us distribute it to others. So every one of you, whether you speak in tongues or not, whether you ever cast out a devil or not or see the manifestation, the exhibition, there are graces you have that the local church needs. And that's why you have to find the local church that God's called you to because you've got a grace deposit or a grace ability that God's put in you to help that local church. Because that's, that's what it means when Ephesians says, every joint supplies the need. My hand has a grace endowment, my shoulder does not. It, it operates a way that my shoulder doesn't. I'm so thankful that they both work together. And my knees have grace endowments that my jaw does not. It operates and provides a service to the body that my jaw does not. But my jaw provides a service and it has a grace that, that my knee does not. And my knee is so thankful. And sometimes my jaw and my knee work together and they go to the refrigerator and they satisfy the will of the head and the stomach. And the hand and the elbow get in on it too. And we say hallelujah for whatever we decided to eat. <laughs> All right. There are abilities that we may excel in and are able to turn on and off as we choose. And this is where I'm going to split hairs for the sake of being a teacher. Grace abilities or charisma, you and I can turn on or off. Um, one of the grace abilities, and we're going to look at it here in Romans 12, is exhortation. This is, some people are just really good at exhorting. Uh, Miss Angie in our church is one of them. If we ever gave her a microphone, she would not teach, she would not preach, she would exhort you. And, and she'd be able to get alongside you and make you feel like a, a million bucks and just tell you how much God loves you. And, and she can turn that thing on or off as she pleases because it's just in her. It's an endowment. We're all called to exhort, but some people excel at it. Also in Romans 12, there's a gift to give. There's a, an endowment of giving. We're all called to give money to the kingdom. But some people, they just excel at it. They just live for it. They can, they can take two nickels and produce a dollar and give it to a missionary. 
but we're all called. But see, we can turn these things on or off. The manifestations of the Spirit, the exhibitions, they are Him manifesting. They're not us. So we can't turn them on or off. These are abilities, this charisma, this grace gift. Uh, these are abilities that we may excel in and are able to turn on and off as we choose. It is a spirit of grace that endows us to do what we are good at. Romans 12 and 1 Peter give us a limited list of these grace gifts. Now, here's what's neat, and it's worth backing up. According to the book, uh, excuse me, the New Testament, there are nine gifts of the Spirit, right? You're Bible students, you know that. There are five gifts of Jesus, Ephesians chapter 4, and Jesus gave gifts unto men, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the gifts of God, what we're about to read. There are, I believe, 12 gifts, we're called grace gifts, that come from the Father. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit gives them, doesn't say Jesus gives them. It says these are the gifts of the Father. So it's just neat that every part of the Trinity has gifts that they give to the body of Christ because that's how much God is for us. He's not like Pharaoh that says, get your own mud, get your own straw and build me a pyramid. He says, here's the pyramid blocks, here's the stones, all you got to do is the work. Amen. It ought to tell you, see, sometimes in America, we want every service to hug us. If you'd study the Bible and let the Lord speak to you, you'd say, I don't need a hug. I need to get up and do something for God. Look at everything he's done because he's for me. The Holy Spirit's given me nine gifts. The Lord Jesus has given me five gifts. And the Father's given me 12 gifts. Why would I not? Well, man, he, why, why do I feel so bad? Why do I feel so down in the dumps? Why do I feel like I need an entitlement handout? Because you don't walk with God. If you walk with God, boy, you feel like a million bucks, even when the devil's beating you up. Look at Romans 12. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office or job, having then gifts, that's our word charisma, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now here's, here comes a partial list of these grace gifts. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry. We're all called to serve in the ministry. Ministry helps, evangelize, care for somebody. But some folks just really excel at being a servant. We, we, around here we call them the captain of the helps. They just kind of help oversee all the different departments. Let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teaches. We're all called to teach somebody about Jesus. That's called making a disciple. But some folks just have a really good gift of teaching. Let us teach. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth. Let him do it with simplicity. He that rules. We're all called to rule something, right? We're all called to rule our family if we're a husband or a mama. We're all called to rule our job. We're called to rule our body to put our body into subjection. But some folks just really excel at leadership. Do it with diligence, and he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. We're all called to extend mercy, but some folks, man, they're just, they're just a bag of mercy. You get around them, and you've just committed the most unpardonable sin, murdered five people, and they'll hug you and say, God loves you. I'm taking you to the police, but man, God loves you. And I'm going to pray they don't give you the chair. God loves you. Man, you really ruined your life, but man, I'm going to pray for you, you know, some of us don't have that kind of mercy. It's like, I'll, I'll shoot him if you want me to, Mr. Officer. I'll kill him for you for what he just did. Now, we all are supposed to extend mercy, but some people just excel at it. That's a grace gift. And with this list, you can turn these things on or off. You can turn giving on or off. You can turn mercy on or off. You can turn ex exhortation and teaching on or off. That's what makes us different from what we're marching towards, which is the manifestations of the Spirit. Look at 1 Peter 4, 9 through 11. Use hospitality. There's a grace gift. Some of you are really given to hospitality. 
You just like having people over to your house. You like taking people out to dinner. You like writing a card. That's hospitality. Use it one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, there's our word charisma, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifest grace of God. Let me reiterate, sound like a broken record. These gifts right here are not the manifestations of the Spirit. These are grace endowments that God gives us to help one another. We turn them on or off as we see fit. We turn them on or off. These produce good works. But we're not all called to do the same thing because we don't all excel at it. The hand is not called to do the foot's job. The hand will do the foot's job when the foot's been blown off. Right? Feet are not designed to play the piano unless you were born without arms. Then you can train your feet to play the piano like some have done. Where we make a mistake is we try to get everybody to do the same job. Even your body doesn't work that way. You don't look at your pancreas and say, breathe! And pancreas just goes, Bow. You don't look at your gallbladder and say, pump blood! It just goes, mile. <laughs> No, but why would we try to force that on each other? Why would I force uh, Chase to be a teacher if he's not called to teach, he's called to exhort? If you're a part of church family, you've seen Miss Angie get up and exhort. It would be cruel and unusual punishment for me to command her to teach. It's just not her thing. Why not let the gifting that God has put on her come out? That's why God put it on her. Not for me to hinder and try to force her into a box and shoehorn her into my vision. It's, it's my job as a pastor to look at you and recognize what God's put on you and say, you know what, you may not see it, but you're going to be really good at mercy. I want you to get over here and love on these new people. Okay, I'm kind of nervous. Don't worry about it. You'll get over there. It'll just come out of you. So we, we sometimes try to make everybody fit our vision rather than letting everybody fit God's vision. And if you didn't know, God's vision's a lot bigger perspective than our little lane of ignorance. Amen. If any man speak... See, some folks are better at speaking than others. Some people are more given to prayer. We're all called to speak. We're all called to pray. But I think we see the point over and over again. Some of us, these are grace gifts we have, and we ought to find them. And I don't want to say exploit them, but take full use of them, because that's why God gave them to the individuals in the body. If you're called to speak, you better be a talking Christian. Now, we're all called to witness, but we're not all called to speak publicly like I do, or maybe stand before great people like some people will. But if you do that, do it as a, a minister, an oracle of God. That's a pretty powerful uh, uh, commission there. If any man minister, we're all called to minister, but some are better servants than others. Let him do it as the, of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now let me take this point here to say, you, have, you better have, I don't say you better have, hopefully you found yourself in some of these grace endowments here. Because you're a Christian, and God's going to have put at least one or two of these in your life. And maybe you haven't recognized it yet, but you say, you know what, I'd like to speak. I'd like to exhort. I'd like to give. I'd like to try that. We'll get out there and kind of pioneer that thing and see what God wants to do. Again, on the balance side, all of us are called to do all of these. But what the grace gift says is that you'll excel at one of these more than the others. You'll excel at two or three of these more than the others. And it's, if I'm an exhorter, I can't put Soraya down because she's not good at exhortation. Because what I, I, well, that means I'm bragging on what God's given me and I'm putting her down because God didn't give it to her. There's got to be mercy in this thing as well as we recognize all of our strengths and all of our weaknesses. Amen? Can we see that?
All right. The beauty of God is that it's just so, it's so symbiotic. It just takes care of itself. We're fitly joined together. We supply the needs where we nourish each other. That's why the local church and the body of Christ has to stick together to work and to accomplish the will of God. What is commonly called the gifts of the Spirit can more accurately or biblically be called or referred to as the manifestations of the Spirit. But again, we're not going to split hairs. We're going to use them interchangeably. But the Greek says it's the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, we'll always call them the nine gifts of the Spirit because that's just so ingrained and entrenched, you're not going to be able to reverse it. But if I say manifestations of the Spirit, I'm referring to the nine gifts. And if I say the nine gifts, we're not talking about grace gifts. We're talking about how the Holy Spirit wants to show off. So let's look at the difference here between gifts and manifestations. And hopefully you're keeping up with the jargon here because all of it just comes back to semantics. I, uh, I wrote a blog article called Shallow Worship at the Altar of Semantics. And I found a really cool political cartoon where this guy, these two people are walking into a door and it says, Division of Semantics. And the, guys, the, new guy, the, the senior guy says to the young guy, Division of Semantics, ah, we're more like a department. Fine, if you have to explain it, it's not funny. <laughs> Semantics is we're arguing over the same word. We're just using different words to describe the th same thing. So a department and a division are the same thing. So a department of semantics, he says, we're more like a division. That's funny. All right, apparently not. This is a college town, right? All right. So gift is charisma. The Greek word for gift is charisma, as we've explained. It means a grace deposit. A grace endowment, a grace gift. The, the, the root word here is grace. Something, God's help coming upon you. Grace is just God's help. God helping you to do something you wouldn't do on your own, couldn't do on your own. A grace gift can be turned on or off as you choose. If I want to exhort, I can. If I don't, I don't. Uh, one of my grace gifts is teaching. I've been able to teach way before I was ever in the ministry or the pulpit. I recognized that as a kid. I recognized that in college when I taught labs. I, I had the highest GPA, uh, grade point average in, in my labs that I taught for geology than anybody because I just, I just had a knack. I was, and I remember teaching labs going, whoa. I even got the football players interested in rocks. And football players, they take geology because they think it's an easy science until you fail them. It should have stuck with chemistry, buddy, or physics. I have a teaching gift. I can turn it on or off as I want to. For, for as the gift at working in my life, you can toss me anything. You can toss me any manual on anything. I can study it for five minutes and teach on it for an hour. That's just the endowment. That's not me. That's not training. That's just the gift of God. I can turn that on. I can use it for anything. But that's not a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's just something he's put on my life. You all have something similar to that. You're just naturally good at it by the hand of God. That's not the manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit manifests as He wills, not as Pastor Chris wills, not as Chase wills, but as He wills it. Uh, it is theirs or yours to possess. You just have it about them. That's how we say it. They just have mercy about them. They're just, they're just very gracious. They love to give. They, they just, but you get around them, you feel like a million bucks. That's awesome. You get around them, man, you just learn so much. They're like a walking bag of knowledge. That's the teaching gift. They just have, they're just full of resourceful information. Well, you, you just have it about you. The gifts of the Spirit are not grace deposits, but rather they are manifestations. So the Greek word manifestation, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 12, is the Greek word phanerosis. And it means to reveal something otherwise hidden. 
Well, in many cases, it's the Holy Spirit that is hidden, and then all of a sudden, he reveals himself in a service. Through his presence, through an anointed song, through a, uh, just, he just reveals himself. To make manifest by words or deeds. That's so awesome, that definition in the Greek, because that's exactly what all nine gifts of the Spirit are. They're either word manifestations or they're deed manifestations. It is an act. So when we talk about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit acting. He's doing something. He's acting out, not like a brat, but just making a demonstration. My favorite of, of the definitions is an exhibit or an exhibition. And I, when I teach this, I always think about uh, when I was a kid, I, went, I had a friend who was big into karate. We went to a karate exhibition one time in Kentucky, and we got to see all the people with the nunchucks doing flips and doing the bow staff, and they were just showing off. An exhibition is just showing off. And I really appreciate that about the Holy Spirit because it means he comes into our services and into our life and he just wants to show off. It's him showing off so it's not pride because it's not sin. It's him showing off because somebody needs faith. It's him showing off because he just wants to. Who has known the mind of Christ? He just wants to do it. So then why would I stand up and say, no, Holy Spirit, I don't want you to show off? Why would I stand up and say, no, no, you're not free to act in my church. I'm busy performing. It's my show, Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. If you, if you exhibit, you might freak out some people. Like who? The ones who claim they want God? You're not going to freak them out. They want God. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, they, they claim they want me. I know they do because I judge their heart. Let me show them something. No, no, Holy Spirit, if you do that, you might run them off. Who knows them better, you or me? You're just in your head. You don't even know who they are. You don't understand. I went to a church growth seminar, and they said, if I'm going to grow a big church, I have to put you in a can and mail you to Siberia. I'm moving very rapidly in Siberia. I'm happily welcome there. Why, why not in your church? Well, because I'm an American, and I'm a Bible school student, and I know more than you. And I have a weak disposition, and I want people to like me, and I'm trying to have the fastest-growing church in town. Funny, I don't promote any of those in my word. But if you want me to go to Siberia, I am welcome there. They may be frozen, but they're very warm towards me. You have hot weather, but you're cold towards me. See, why would we not let the Holy Spirit show off? I was telling my wife last night. I said, honey, uh, I don't know. I just, I'm at a place where I want God more than ever. And if God is infinite, which we know him to be, I got to believe there's aspects of him I've never seen, never touched, never experienced, never learned. Why would I think this is as good as it's going to get with God? Why would I think we've, we've experienced as much as God is there is to experience? Why would I dare say I'm full? If he's infinite, I think he can make more room for me to have a bigger heart. Even as Paul said, enlarge your hearts towards us. So that means your heart can always be enlarged to have more hunger for God or the things of God. All right. These nine gifts of the Spirit are actions, manifestations, or exhibitions of the Spirit of God. I like that. They're actions of the Holy Spirit. They're manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They're exhibitions of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said that he would confirm his word with signs following. So you preach salvation, there's a sign that follows. The Holy Spirit acts and draws people to Christ, and they get born again. You preach on healing and the Holy Spirit acts and people start getting healed. You preach on the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit acts and people start manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. 
We, I, the, the American church, because we get to do mission work and we get to see all the hungrier churches overseas, the American church is terrified of their God. And you're only afraid of what you don't really know. So what, what's the testimony that's presenting? We claim we represent God, but we are afraid of him. We're afraid of him because we don't really know him. And we're in this dangerous catch-22 because we don't know him and we're afraid of him. We don't approach him because we don't approach him. We don't know him, so we stay afraid of him. And we're nothing more than the pagans throwing virgins in volcanoes because we don't understand volcanism. If you study a little bit of geology and igneous rocks and mafic and felsic rocks, you're like, oh, we don't have to toss virgins in the volcano anymore. We just have to build our houses further away. And who was th- stupid enough to say, look, hot magma's coming out of that thing. Let's build a hut at the base of it. And maybe throwing a virgin in there will appease it. That's how a lot of Christians view God. They don't know him, so they're afraid of him. But how do you get to know him? Through the Holy Spirit. Dangerous catch-22. You can only know God by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus said in John 14 and 16, he will lead you, Holy Spirit. He'll guide you, Holy Spirit. He'll show you things to come. He'll receive of me, Jesus said. He'll reveal it unto you. He'll, he'll, he'll take you away. You wouldn't go. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our stand-along. He's our paraclete, the Greek says. And yet we diminish him because we can't control him. Maybe that reveals a controlling spirit about us. Maybe it reveals a selfishness. Because if you're led by the Holy Spirit, he might tell you, go witness to that person. I don't want to witness to that person. He might tell you, take a mission trip. I don't want to leave the country. It's crazy. They don't like white people overseas. They definitely don't like white Americans. Well, dye your hair blonde and speak with a Swedish accent. Yeah. If we really give in to the Holy Spirit, we have to diminish. John the Baptist was led by the Holy Spirit. It diminished him till he lost his head. Maybe that's what we're terrified of, letting the Holy Spirit take over. These manifestations of the Spirit are the Holy Spirit manifesting as He wants to. These actions are the Holy Spirit revealing Himself through words and actions. The Greek word manifestations are only present when God Himself chooses them. We can't, it's like saying somebody who's got a trick, hey, do that trick. I don't want to do that trick. Hey, you can do the the nunchuck thing. Do the nunchuck thing. I don't want to do the nunchuck thing. Hey, Holy Spirit, manifest with healing. If he doesn't want to, he's not going to. But now you can pray and believe that he will and ask him to nicely in faith, but you can't boss God around. They manifest as he wants to. In this regard, we can, to some degree, consider the manifestations of the Spirit as I like to see them as micro-sovereign moves of God. You know, he controls it, so it's his sovereignty in place. And yet at the same time, we know this, we can quench the Spirit which means we can quench the sovereignty of God. So then how sovereign is it when we stand in the way? The Bible says in, in, in Psalms, they did uh, limit and hinder the Holy One of Israel. Israel did. The Jews, they, because of their stubbornness and unbelief, they did limit the Holy One of Israel. You and I, through our unbelief and our attitude and our bossiness, we can hinder the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I do not frustrate the Spirit of God. Paul said, do not quench the Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't blaspheme. These are all words that indicate we can stop the Holy Spirit dead in his tracks. He wants to run like a locomotive through our life, but we could stand up on the tracks and say stop, and he'll screech to a halt. Because he's a gentleman, and he's not going to violate our will that he's given us. He shows off when he wants to, and when he doesn't want to, guess what? He doesn't show off. We cannot drum up the gifts of the Spirit 
But you can fake them, and we see that on Christian television. They can be faked. So now let's look at this. The nine gifts of the Spirit are manifestations. Again, we'll use them interchangeably, but biblically, accurately, gifts are charisma, grace, endowments, manifestations are phanerosis, the exhibitions of the Holy Spirit. Just as there are nine fruit of the Spirit, thank God for that, and that's more important than the gifts of the Spirit. Hear me very clearly. You having nine fruit of the Spirit is infinitely, in my opinion, my estimation, more important than the nine gifts. Thank God for the nine gifts, but that's God's problem. The nine fruit is our problem. If we don't have the gifts, it's not necessarily our fault. If we don't have the fruit, it is entirely our fault. Now, the Corinthian church is where we know so much about the gifts of the Spirit. They had very little fruit. In fact, Paul opens up his letter by saying, you're carnal and you're babes, and I got to feed you with the bottle. Hey, but you got all nine gifts of the Spirit, but no fruit. So sometimes we in charismatic circles are accused of being spooky or being uh, chasing signs and wonders. I want it to be very clear. We're not interested in that because if we don't bear the nine fruit of the Spirit, what good are the gifts? Furthermore, the gifts won't produce the fruit of the Spirit. Only your walk with Jesus Christ will produce the fruit of the Spirit. And we need to have all nine. If we, I, I believe if we put an emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts would follow quite easily. Love, faith works by love, etc. These nine manifestations can be thought of as Holy Spirit exhibitions. The Holy Spirit is wanting to show off or exhibit His abilities in our lives and our services. There are nine ways in which He will do it. There are not any more. If there were more than nine ways... It would be called the ten gifts of the Spirit, right? And as we study the three sets of three in the next three weeks, you'll see you won't be able to possibly think up any other way he has ever exhibited himself in the whole Bible. You can find seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit in the Old Testament. The only two gifts of the Spirit you don't find throughout the entire Old Testament is tongues and interpretation of tongues. That gift is unique to the church age, though Isaiah prophesied about it and saw it coming. So God pre-warned us or pre-prepared us for it. But all other seven are in the Old Testament. And so now we roll over, Christ goes to the cross, dies, is raised from the dead. We get to carry over all seven gifts of the Spirit. And now it's not just prophets and kings that operate in them. We get to operate in them too. This is really neat because the Bible says it's a new and better covenant. Well, doesn't a new and better covenant get all the good stuff from the old one and new and better stuff? Sure. If the Jews needed seven gifts of the Spirit, wouldn't the New Testament church need right yeah true to the greek word true to the greek word phanerosis these nine manifestations of the spirit are either words or deeds these nine manifestations can be broken up into three categories each containing three manifestations these are the vocal gifts the revelation gifts and the power gifts now that's just that's just a theologian trying to categorize it you know theologians they just keep looking at the word and trying to find patterns and find categories so your three vocal gifts are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Your three revelation gifts are discerning of spirits. That's where you see into the spirit realm. Word of wisdom and word of knowledge. That's where the Holy Spirit reveals something. And your power gifts are working of miracles, gifts of healings, and special faith. Those produce power. In the manifestations, uh, excuse me, the manifestations, our, our next three lessons will cover these in detail. So here's some bullet points as we wrap up here. We're doing pretty good. There's a lot of stuff to cover in 45 minutes. The manifestations of the Spirit are given to profit us. Why would you not want that in your church if the Bible specifically says they benefit the church? I'm a pastor. I love my sheep. 
and, and I exist to benefit the body of Christ. That's the only reason I exist. That's my gifting. I'm a pastor. God called me. Why, do I, why am I a pastor? Because there's sheep that need care. So if I study the scriptures, I'm going to study the scriptures to find something that will benefit sheep because I exist to help sheep. I find something called the nine gifts of the Spirit. They profit us. Why would I not look for them? It's like saying, is there something we could add to our diet that would improve our eyesight and help our cardiovascular system? Yes, I found it here. It's called the nine carrots of the Holy Ghost. Nah, not that. Is there something else that would benefit my... That's <laughs> what a lot of churches do. We have nine gifts of the Spirit. Nah, not that. We'd be labeled something we don't want to be labeled because our seminary doesn't permit that. But the Bible still very clearly says they profit us. Anybody want to be profited? Yeah. That's why we live, to be profited. It's one of the things God put in us. Animals look for better. They call it fight or flight. Either I put up a fight so I'm profited or I flee so I'm profited. And when I'm hungry, I look for food so I can be profited. And, and when it's mating season, I look for a mate so I can be profited and so that my species of animals can be profited. It's put in us. And yet stubbornness says, just doesn't jive with our denominational structure. The manifestations of the Spirit are given to every man. The Bible is very clear on that. So we can look for the Holy Spirit to manifest through us. If you're God's kid and you are, would he not want to use you? I'm a dad. I love including my kids in what I'm doing. Now, I don't take my kids to the baseball games because I think baseball's lame But I love caving and I love uh, rappelling and I love rock climbing. And so I've already taken Lydia to do all of that because I want to include her in what I'm exhibiting. And she's going to dig all that. She already enjoys a lot of it. God is the same way. When he shows up, he wants to include you. If he doesn't have anybody show off to, he's just like shadow boxing or dancing in front of a mirror or something. He wants to show off and include us in it. The manifestation of the Spirit manifests deliberately as He wills, not as we will. So we can't control it. We can just believe God for it. We are to covet earnestly the best gifts. That Greek word covet is lust. To greatly desire, not sexual lust, but it is the same word translated lust. We are to lust after or desire God to show off. Who wouldn't want God to show off? The world is needing God. And we've got a whole generation of skeptics that believe John Stewart over Jesus Christ. We need God to show off. So we're to desire, Lord, show off. Lord, show up and show off. Demonstrate yourself, Lord, with mighty salvation. And God has demonstrated from Exodus onward, he likes to show off. You know, he was so impressive to the Egyptians that the Bible says that they came out of Egypt with a mixed multitude. That refers to the fact that a lot of Egyptians said, we're going with you guys. Um, Osiris, Isis, Apis, those guys are really dumb. And I see where this is headed. I'm, I may be Egyptian, but I can read the writing on the wall. Can we join with you guys? And they came out with a mixed multitude. It was Egyptians among them. God won people through his signs and wonders. Amen. Each gift is separate and distinct. So there's no overlapping there. Each gift, except for tongues and interpretation of tongues, can be found manifesting in both Old and New Testaments. Tongues is strictly a New Testament gift. Jesus operated in all of the gifts of the Spirit except for tongues and interpretation of tongues. We should have expected that because he was a prophet under the Old Testament rules and regulations. He is our Savior. He's our Messiah. He is the Son of God. He liveth forevermore. He is the Alpha and the Omega. But he was born of a virgin, 
born under the law, born to a woman of the tribe of Judah, and he operated as a prophet, and so he did see the nine, excuse me, the seven gifts of the Spirit. And we'll cover that in the weeks ahead. So what is to be our attitude toward the gifts of the Spirit? Based on the Bible, here is how every Christian should view the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, we are not to be ignorant of them. The Bible says that very clearly. Number two, we are not to be children or naive in our understanding of these things. Don't be naive about it. That's why we're teaching on it. Now, we, I, think, I don't think I've taught this curriculum in two years or so. So it's not like we focus on this every service, but I need to get this on pod school for those that are hungry for it. Number three, we are to covet earnestly. That is literally lust after the best gifts. One great man of God about 100 years ago, he said, what is the best gift? It's the one you need at the moment. And only God knows which one that is. And so you can't pick and choose. Well, Lord, I'd really like to see an angel right now. You probably will never see one the rest of your life with that kind of just brattiness. But if you said, Lord, help me, then you might have an angel show up as they did in the book of Acts to help you. You know, what's awesome is, um, and I don't have, I can't sort this out doctrinally, but, uh, you know, I'm Southern Baptist, and uh, the Baptist IMB, the International Mission Board, has a big push during Ramadan to pray for Muslims for their salvation because Muslims during Ramadan fast and seek God. And it's, it's a well-known fact, you hear reports almost on a weekly basis now, that Jesus Christ himself is appearing to Muslims when they seek God. And he walks in, they all, I mean, they all have the same testimony. A man in glowing white clothing walked in and said, I am Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you persecute. I am the only way to the Father and you will perish without me. That's discerning of spirits. That's saints stateside praying that Muslims will be born again and the Holy Spirit gives a gift to the Spirit, a manifestation of revelation of spirits or discerning of spirits. For Jesus Christ to appear, that's discerning of spirits. Jesus Christ is a spirit. God is a spirit, Jesus said so in John's gospel. So I, don't, I can't figure out doctrinally how pagans can have gifts of the spirit, but even Paul saw God on the road to Damascus as a total pagan about to go kill Christians. Then again, how did anybody under the Old Testament operate in the gifts of the Spirit when they weren't born again and they were dead to God? So again, great is the mystery. (laughs) We kind of scratch at it. We kind of get some ideas and we say, thank you, I'm saved. That's all I know. (laughs) Follow after and desire, again, literally lust after, spiritual gifts. Follow, excuse me, follow after love. That's what the Bible says. Follow after love, but desire spiritual gifts. We don't follow spiritual gifts. We follow love, but we do desire spiritual gifts. Because I love the heathen, I want to see God show up. I want to see God heal people. You heal a pagan, what are they going to say? I prayed for you in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the doctor. Thank God for doctors, but they don't got all the answers. We are to be zealous of spiritual gifts and seek to excel to the edifying of the church. Above all, we must edify the church. We should desire that all speak with tongues and prophesy. That's what Paul said. I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. So these are the attitudes we should have. And uh, it's very clearly, it's all from the Bible. Any Bible-believing Christian would have to look at those scriptures and say, well, I believe the Bible. That's in the Bible. I, I guess I should believe that. But for the next three weeks, we're going to teach on the individual breakdown of the gifts, vocal gifts, revelation gifts, power gifts, and we're going to look at examples of them from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. Let's look at prophecy through the Old Testament. Let's look at working of miracles. Let's look at special faith through the Old Testament. And we'll see what it begins to look like for us today. Because God is not dead, neither is the Holy Spirit. And there's not a single verse in the entire Bible that says, all of this is done away with. Amen. It doesn't make sense. 
So think about the modern doctrine. Only three of the five gifts of Jesus still exist because apostles and prophets don't exist today, say some. All nine gifts of the Holy Spirit have been done away with, so that just leaves us the really easy gifts of the Father, you know, mercy and exhortation. So, so we're kind of limping along on half of the gifts the Bible says God's given to the church. What's your basis for that doctrine? Experience? Is not basing doctrine on experience walking by sight? Do we walk by sight or do we walk by faith? And our faith is based on the word, not our experiences. I believe it because the word says it, not because I've ever experienced it. Amen. Father, I thank you for helping our Sunday school. Thank you for blessing this church, Lord. We thank you for saving us and allowing us to know the, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our God. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to have the Holy Spirit working in our life. Help us this morning, Lord, in service to preach the word, uh, to, to put forth the gospel, and to change the saints by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.